A woman's drowning death shows her what it's like to go to heaven, but perhaps even more importantly, what it means to live here on earth. On this part one of two installment of Spirit Answers Podcast. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. So it's Memorial Day, 1996, and you are about ready to go whitewater rafting. And little do you know that this experience is not only going to change your life forever, but it's going to send you uh, to the other side. But before we get to that experience, I want to kind of take a step back and understand what was your relationship like with God before this? Well, Alex, that's a great question. So uh, in 1996, I would say pre-heaven that I was at the top of my game. I was PTA president. I was planning commissioner. I was, I was super mom. I had children's ministries, Sunday school, you name it. Oh, and I owned a Christian preschool and daycare center. I mean, I was just serving God and living what I thought was a very happy life and teaching kids about Jesus. I thought I was at the top of my game. Hmm. And, uh, so you thought that you were at the top of your game, but this experience uh, would kind of show you that there was a little bit left to be desired on the relationship front with God. Isn't that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. The truth hurts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's shocking. It's actually really shocking. So take us then, if you could, into what happens then on that fateful day uh, in 1996. Well, um, I had convinced a girlfriend to go rafting with me. Two of her daughters were in my uh, Christian preschool, and she felt like she owed me a favor. And I said, hey, if you really want to bless me, come rafting with me and my sister and my brother-in-law. So we set off. Memorial Day is this huge party on the river, typically. There's a lot of um, crazy concoctions. People put uh, their bark lounger or their sofa on inner tubes. They duct tape everything together. Then they have long ropes full of coolers of beer trailing behind them. And it's just a big party. It's a lot of fun. And even though I'm not a real big drinker, I love to watch it. It's hilarious. And so, oh, go ahead. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. I So so we set off, and in 1996, it hadn't occurred to me that we had had some extensive flooding. And it should have occurred to me because we actually got a check from FEMA <laughs> because the flooding wow. was so extensive on our property. And it still didn't occur to me. We set out on the river, and I'm realizing that I don't see any boats anywhere. And it's, I'm like, wait, this is weird. This is the big party. There's usually thousands of people on the river, but I'm not seeing anybody except myself and my friend and my sister and brother-in-law. Wow. So the, the scenery is a little bit different than previous years. Um, yeah. You don't notice all the, the, the fun people watching things going on that you might've seen in other years, but this doesn't deter you. Isn't that right? No, no, no. Are you kidding? I'm all about the adrenaline my whole life. So 
we're headed down the river and usually about half an hour in, you come to a place called Spencer's Hole. Now, you know you're coming there because the cavern walls as you come into Spencer's Hole have memorial plaques of the people who have died on the cavern walls as you come in. And it's a little drop, it's like four feet maybe. And then there's a whirlpool and it's kind of like a little hole and then you just pop out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, my friend had never been rafting before. So uh, I made sure we had all the proper safety gear, but our raft wasn't like one of those fancy, you know, uh, professional rafts. It was kind of a, put this in your pool raft. <laughs> and yeah. my friend looks at me and she says, uh, Wendy, what's that guy doing over there on the shore, jumping up and down? And it looked like a police officer. And he was waving his arms, throwing rocks at us, trying to get our attention. I'm like, what is this guy doing? And I look back to see maybe there's something wrong with my sister and brother and they're hung up. They hit a snag, a tree snag, and they're hung up. And uh, my friend's looking at me like, what's the deal? And that's when I see. So I stand up. I'm looking to see what's going on. I stand up in the raft and I realize where we are. I realize that we're at Spencer's Hole and what's typically a very um, gentle plummet felt more like a waterfall. Mm, Of course, there was nothing I could say or do. I just screamed for her to hold on. And uh, it was my intention to pull out because she was a new rafter and walk down the trail and put in beyond the hole. But um, I wasn't given the opportunity. So as we were going over that waterfall, I the look of terror in her eyes, I'll never forget. I just realized, I think I just killed my friend and she didn't even want to come. She has two little girls. I have three kids and I don't know how we're going to survive this. I'm severe asthmatic. I can hold my breath 15 seconds max. I have 38% lung capacity on my best day. And um, there was nothing I could do to stop it. We went over we went over the waterfall. Wow. Wow. When this is going on, did it all seem to happen very quickly as, as if time was passing normally, or was this like when you hear in other instances where time slowed down? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It was like slow motion for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, instantly I started praying instantly. God's been my bestie since I was eight. So instantly I just started praying, God, God, don't, don't let this happen. Don't let this happen. I can't, I can't swim strong. And, you know, I knew I had my life jacket on, but there was no way the force of this water was like angry, like it was hungry. And I just knew that, that something evil was about to take me out. Mm -hmm. And, um, in slow, it, it was like slow motion. I started instantly praying the, the Lord's Prayer. Even it went from out loud to underwater as the water, when we hit the water, um, it sucked our raft down under. It sucked, um, it ripped our life jackets off. It, it tore most of our clothing off, our water shoes. Wow. And uh, it was like a, a just a hungry whirlpool. I felt like a brick in a washing machine. And... Um, I'm praying, 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 our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy thy kingdom come. And I'm like, God, don't do this. You can't, you can't take me. You can't take my friend. I can't, I can't be responsible for killing her. And her baby's losing their mother. Don't do this, God. 
And then I said, your will be done. And I couldn't hold my breath another second. Now at this point, I'm my head's hitting the rock walls. Of, it's like an upside, I'm sorry, I'm so shaky. It's like an upside down toilet bowl. And I'm trying to claw my way out. And um, I realize I can't hold my breath another second. And I know it's gonna hurt so bad. But I said, that will be done. And I just had to inhale and I inhaled. But as I inhaled, I never felt the water enter my lungs. It was amazing. I was pulled right here by my, right below your sternum is where your soul is. And I was pulled out by this beautiful light. And I mean, the light, you know, you hear about the light and don't walk to the light or walk to the light or whatever. The light was alive. And I swear that light was the Holy Spirit. It came shooting through the water until I saw that light. I didn't even know if I was swimming up or down because it was so dark and we were so deep. Wow. This light comes and it pulls me out of my body and I'm, and I'm hovering and I'm watching and I watch my friend climb up my body and I see my life jacket fall off. And, um, and then she got, she was able to get a breath, but then she was sucked right back down. And as soon as I saw her be sucked back down, I couldn't watch anymore. I was just, I was just horrified, but I was amazed that my body was still fighting but I wasn't in it. I could see blood coming from my fingertips, trying to claw, trying to climb up this rock wall, but I couldn't feel it. And there was blood coming from my head that was banging on this rocks. It was like an angry cauldron. And I couldn't feel any of it. I felt better than I've ever felt in my entire life. It, it just, I couldn't figure out what was happening. I was like, oh my gosh, what I'm not in my body what's happening and when I saw my friend um, get sucked back down I just I couldn't bear it so I just let the light take me and it wasn't like I had to step into it it was just it just pulled me mm. and um, before I knew it I felt better than I'd ever felt in my entire life now when I died I was 28 I was in pretty good health uh I had three babies. My all three were miracles, but especially my son, who was dead for seven minutes when he was born, and so he was. He had some delays. He was. He was very special needs, mm -hmm. and he was two. And um, I went from crying out to God, God, you cannot. Who's going to raise my babies? My husband doesn't have faith. He's never been to church before he met me. You cannot take me out. To all of a sudden feeling better than I've ever felt in my life. Um, like, like, you know, addicts are always chasing that high. And um, no matter how much they take, it's never enough. You want more, right? right. I was so consumed with this feeling that I feel like is what addicts are chasing uh, of love, this overwhelming love. And I had had a childhood where you know, it was good, but it was also bad. There was a lot of really hard times. I was homeless for four years through high school. I ate out of garbage cans when people weren't looking. And wow. um, and a lot of it was self-inflicted. I was definitely a prodigal. But I just really felt like I didn't matter to anybody for so long. And the minute I left my body and arrived in heaven, I felt love like, I'd never felt before. And the, the crazy part is the word love doesn't describe it because 
there needs to be a word that explains to be fully known the the Jesus in front of me, which I just knew it was Jesus. Without opening my eyes, I knew it was Jesus. Um, he knew everything about me, and he loved it. That was insane. As wow. a person who grew up with all these secrets, not wanting anybody to know I was homeless or a runaway or, you know, living with pedophile to pedophile to pedophile, I had so many secrets. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm at the feet of what I'm sure is Jesus, and I'm loved, even though he knows my darkest secrets, and I'm loved at a level that you cannot fathom with your earthly brain. I, there's just no words. I wish I could describe it. Wow. Wow. And so you're going through this experience then. Is, is time still like at a slowdown? Is everything kind of in slow motion right uh, now? There's no time now. There is no time. It's like, it's just done. And trying to explain that in earthly words is really interesting because in on earth, we use our five senses to to discern everything, right? Right. But in heaven, you use your soul. Um, lots of uh, lots of spiritual people don't walk with God. God would call it their sixth sense, which. Um, but I'm telling you, that's the voice of God. That's your soul. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you, and that's where you perceive everything. And in heaven, everything's alive. I knew the meaning of every molecule around me. I had the answers I'd been seeking my whole life. I didn't even have to ask them. All of a sudden, my brain was firing at a level that it had never fired at. Wow. That's incredible. And I've heard this happen this several times from other people that have had uh, a similar encounter on the other side with Jesus. It It's almost like this experience is more real than life itself. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. In my book, I discuss that. It's um, trying to explain heaven, which to me is far more real than earth. Earth now feels like a nightmare. When you get to heaven, you're like, oh, thank God it was just a nightmare. It wasn't real. This is forever. That's temporary. This The world we live in now is disposable. It, wow. it, it we live in a disposable society of self-seeking, self-loving, um, narcissism, self selfishness. And, and I was leading the parade on the other side of heaven. And I understand as well when it comes to what happens in, in, in your time on the other side, it wasn't only this incredible experience of love and being known, but there's a process, I'm not sure if we're there yet, where Jesus shows you your life and shows you the different parts of your life where you could have done more to glorify him. Absolutely. So I believe if you're to put my heaven encounter in a nutshell, it would be the refiner's fire. I believe that what happened to me will happen to everybody saved or not saved. You could be a Satanist. You're still going to be at the feet of Jesus one day. And your experience will be very similar to mine. Whereas uh, when I finally opened my eyes, I couldn't look at, I couldn't look at Jesus's face. The hole in his feet is just huge. 
couldn't even look at his face because I wasn't worthy because it was me that put that hole there. And I was so ashamed because, you know, have you ever been on a road trip or a long drive and you arrive at your destination and you're like, wow, I don't even remember the drive. It went by so fast. I don't remember any of the landmarks. Okay, well, that's what it feels like when you get to heaven. You're like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. What did I do with my 28 years? Holy cow. I did. What did I do? Oh, my goodness. What did I do? It just like went so fast. And then um, I realized I was at Jesus' feet. And I just buried my head in his gown and just sobbed. And he lifted my chin lovingly. And he said, see. And the next thing I knew, I'm watching my parents date. I'm watching their childhood. Oh. I'm watching them date. I'm wa- I'm seeing them both be beaten up and broken down so that God could make them the perfect puzzle piece to fit together to become one w- with him. And it was beautiful. And then I watched them count my little fingers and toes as I was born. I, I got to see all of it. And then I walked through every day of my life. But um. And it didn't seem like it was in fast forward. It didn't seem like a highlight reel. It seemed like every day of my life, except I knew the truth now. I knew that heaven was real. And so every time I saw an opportunity to share Jesus, which I now knew wasn't a coincidence, there's no such thing as coincidence, I just grew more and more ashamed. Like, God, what is wrong with me? I mean, I felt like the world's biggest narcissist. It was like, how could I just continue to fail and fail and fail? And at the end of it, I was just beside myself with how could I have so deceived? How could I have really believed that I was giving my all to Jesus when I don't even remember half the stuff I did? It just went by so quick. And then lifts my chin again and then he says child see and this time i see the same thing it's this time i see it through god's eyes jesus's eyes this is the greatest gift i've ever ever been given in my life to that point it was amazing Okay, everybody. We're well. We are back. We've been having uh, countless technical difficulties today, no doubt from the enemy trying to interfere uh, with with Wendy's uh, remarkable story that glorifies God in such a powerful way. But uh, God always prevails, and we've been able to find a way to get past uh, some of the electronic interference that we've been having. So, um, if you hear the audio sounding a little bit different now, that's why. But um, we're going to kind of pick up where we where we left off there. Um, and I had asked Wendy kind of what, what it was like there with the, uh, Jesus showing her, her life and, uh, some different instances where she could have, uh, glorified God a little bit more in those instances. And she's going to kind of take us through that. So Wendy, if you could do that, thank you. Thank you, Alex. Well, so when God took me, when Jesus took me through my life the second time, and I was seeing things through his eyes, it was amazing watching myself be created with so much love and purpose. And the things, like I said, that I, I had always disliked about myself were actually things that were meant to be blessings to me and my character. It, it was amazing. And how much they they enjoyed all of the things they were putting in me. And I know that goes for everybody. 
you know, I've always hated how loud I am, but God loves it. He made me loud on purpose. That just blows my mind. So uh, then I walked through, then I started walking through my life again, but this time through Jesus's eyes and seeing where he was for every part of it. I got to see myself being baptized when I was eight years old and all of heaven, especially my cloud of witnesses, my ancestors who've gone before me celebrating the fact that I had come into the kingdom through baptism and everybody was so excited. It was, it, it was amazing that hell, heaven was celebrating an eight-year-old being baptized. And that's when I got my crown of glory that was placed on my head. It's the one crown in heaven that we keep. And from it comes this, um, it's, it's almost like it's alive. It, the best way I can describe it is it, it looks kind of like a veil, but it's a garment that you wear. And in heaven, it's your identity, which is amazing. So it, it carries music and in heaven you can see music and the music it carries is specifically the story of your life. So when you get to heaven, people don't have to ask you about your life. They know because they hear your music, it's your identity. And in this garment, there's jewels, tiny ones, as little as flecks of dust. So uh, now anytime I'm dusting, I see a ray of light come through the window and I see the dust particles. I get excited. I start, uh, I, I just get all Holy Spirit filled because it reminds me of my garment of glory. That's my name for it. That's not what God called it. But, um, and I got to watch my eternal rewards develop and grow. And my garment, this thing that's like a veil, or a cape was getting longer and longer. Some of the gems, most of the gems, were like millions of teeny tiny little diamonds, almost like glitter. But some of them were as big as my hands. And I, I started to notice as I'm watching my life go by that the ones that were so big were the ones that uh, that manifested or developed whenever I showed sacrificial love. And... I found that fascinating that my sacrificial love was what gained the biggest rewards. Now on this side of heaven, that makes sense because I think, well, if I were to boil the essence of God down to two words, it would be sacrificial love. So sacrificial love is what gets us the biggest eternal rewards. But I saw them start to disappear and that was really hard. I was like, Jesus, Jesus, what's happening? What's happening? And he wouldn't talk until we got through it, through my life. By the end of my life, 28 years, I'd been serving God powerfully for many, many years. And I just, um, I love teaching kids about Jesus. But now that I'd seen my life twice through, once through my eyes and once through Jesus's, it was it was really weird because all of my big rewards were gone. And so when it was over, I asked Jesus, I said, why did my big rewards disappear? And Jesus and my child, um, you were arrogant. And I said, okay, I was arrogant, but everybody is arrogant. And he says, my father detests arrogance. And I said, but I didn't feel like I was being arrogant. And Jesus said, uh, you're self pity. And, and I was like, but God, my life was hard. I had to eat out of garbage cans. I had to do this. I had to, you could have fixed that. You know, how come I'm in trouble for something you could have stopped? And uh, 
Jesus, Jesus showed me very lovingly that his father gets very upset and he's the only one who judges God. And he gets very upset when people focus on their own suffering and it's because they take their eyes off of Jesus's suffering because the wages of sin is death and we've all sinned. So feeling sorry for myself was actually um, taking my focus off of Jesus and saying, um, I shouldn't have this suffering. I don't deserve to sin. What about me? Poor me. And uh, it was really, it was really difficult to mm. see that, that my self pity God sees as arrogance. Wow. So you're, you're going through this and I am interested to see for you, was it kind of like just you were there? It was almost as if you were at those exact moments in time. It wasn't like you were watching a video, right? No, it was like I was there watching it happen. Nobody wow. was me telling myself, don't do that, dummy. Don't do it. Don't do wow. it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you just, and you know, you feel so helpless mm -hmm. and, um, but at the end of that, I mean, it really puts things in perspective because now you've seen your your life through complete the complete lens of truth, mm -hmm. not not self pity, not arrogance. You, you've seen it through truth, mm -hmm. but then it got even better. Mm -hmm. And Jesus again grabbed my chin and he said, "Child, see." And I'm still on my knees at his feet, and the next thing I know. I'm watching heaven um, pray and grieve as Jesus is getting prepared to come into the world. And they, they were so sad for what he was going to have to experience. It, you know, it, it, it was really hard and Jesus wanted to do it, but, but he knew it was going to be hard. And watching him choose to leave after being there, I couldn't fathom anything harder in the in the world, and I'd had a pretty um, hard life. And in a, a lot of times, I also had a good life, but a lot of times it was really hard. And and I couldn't fathom leaving this place. And Jesus never sinned. Why should he have to leave? It was so powerful the depth of love that he and the Father and the Holy Spirit felt, and how it grieved them that he was doing this, but they all knew it was the only way, the only way for us to, to be with them for eternity. And then I was there when Jesus was born, I was back on earth and I walked through every day of Jesus's life. I got to wow. see them. I got to see what people don't get to see what's not in the Bible. And it was amazing. And his first miracle that was recorded was water into wine. But I got to watch him resurrect little birds. I got to watch him do amazing things. And the thing that astounded me the most was in our society, in our culture right now, it's very easy to get information. But it was very different when Jesus was a child. It wasn't like you just log on or, or you even go to the library. The children weren't respected in the temples where God's word was being taught and he was so hungry for it. He was obsessed with learning and memorizing every word of his father and watching the lengths he had to go to, to do that astounded me.
I just assumed it was easy and he was just born with all that knowledge, but it wasn't. He was human. He had to, he had to work just like I do to memorize God's word. Wow. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And again, while you're going through this, this is as if this is all normal, right? It's not as if like, oh, this is the longest experience of your life. This yeah. is go the days no. upon days. This is this is a completely normal experience that you're having in the moment. Yeah, yeah but it was but going through it um, in heaven, it was especially the second time through Jesus's eyes. It was more than um, the five senses that we mm -hmm. experienced. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw the devil tempting Jesus. I saw him starving. I saw him giving up everything, just wanting desperately to hear his father. And I've certainly been there in my own life, especially after heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I just want to hear your voice. I just need to hear your voice, God. And it, it was so beautiful and sacrificial. And Jesus didn't acknowledge me that I was there, part of it. Um, until he until he <clears throat> until he was strapped to the cross and being beaten and it you know the passion of the crisis is horrifying right this is so much worse the real thing is so much worse jesus is they slammed that the thorns down on his head and he's bleeding and he's so bro just broken and I mean swollen and disfigured and then somebody rips out his beard and when they did that I'm like a foot away from Jesus maybe 10 inches I'm right in front of him and it's like he's looking right through me but I know he's, he feels me and he knows I'm there and all of a sudden his eyes lift up and he's got these beautiful puppy dog eyes that are just so endearing they're <laughs> It's like a basset hound. You just can't look at a basset hound's sad eyes and not fall in love with them. You know, he just yeah. got the sweetest eyes. And and he looks at me and this sol soldier rips his beard, part of his beard out of his face. And when they he did that, Jesus' blood splattered across my face. And I'm screaming. I'm having a tantrum. God, just make it stop don't do this for me. I don't deserve it. I'll go to hell. You don't deserve this. Don't, don't do this. God, don't do this for me. I'm so unworthy and I'm so sorry. I had just watched my life of choosing me twice. And then I watched Jesus's life and his whole life. He chose me too. He never chose himself. It was so beautiful. It was every day was sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And it was joy. He didn't do it begrudgingly. He never had an attitude. He he just was love. He just wanted to honor his father. And he just loved us so dearly. He didn't get mad. I just I just kept watching them. And these people are the reason he's being nailed to the cross. And he just kept loving them. It was it, I just couldn't wrap my brain around it. Wow. And I, what a what a powerful lesson I think that we can take away from that in our own suffering, right? Kind of taking a step back yeah. real quick from what is going on in, in, in your story, because I think it's very easy to get wrapped up in the suffering that we're enduring and uh, kind of take a, a, a woe is me or, a, you know, kind of looking for that pity 
type of attitude and uh, just the way that he went about it in terms of just remembering that everything that he's doing is honoring God, the, you know, the creator, uh, his father, um, and not, not thinking twice about it. Um, yeah. Wow. How, how absolutely incredible. It, and it was like effortless for him. Now I, I've been a mother and I thought it was a, a pretty good mother. Uh, I brought, I broke a lot of cycles. Of course, once I got to heaven, I realized I started a lot of cycles that probably mm -hmm. weren't the healthiest of my kids, but, mm -hmm. but I, I would say that I was, um, uh, at the upper side of an average mother at the high end of it. And when my children did something, uh, it was an, effort for me i would have to pray okay god don't let me lose my temper lord help me to be a good mother help me help give me wisdom in this situation but jesus was just effortless effortlessly good he, it's like he it's like he knew nothing but how to be love mm. wow absolutely incredible so, so you're going through this experience then in your seat in your uh with jesus during his life and uh, some, something else real quick before we leave this particular part of what you, what you experienced there, I really appreciate you you have said before that um, Jesus, he views us the same way that a parent might. And can you can you kind of describe what that means? Absolutely. I'm so glad you asked that. So when I asked God, Jesus, I, uh, it, it's the same to me. Um, when I asked Jesus, how could you love me when I was so stupid and selfish? And uh, he showed me, he showed me my, my basset hound. We, we've had a few basset hounds. And he says, Wendy, you know how that dog chases his tail all day long? And he's so angry at that tail. And he has to have that tail. He just needs that tail all day long. i got to get my tail. i got to get my tail. And you and I both know that when he, he bites that tail, it's going to hurt. But it doesn't matter. You could tell him that he's not going to listen. He's going to chase that tail and chase that tail until he gets it. And when he gets it, it is going to hurt. And he is going to cry. And you're going to love him and say, gosh, I wish I could have saved you from yourself. Uh, God says, that's what it's like for us. He says, I'm your father. Mm -hmm. He says, um, it, it's hard when you watch your children suffer. He said, but, but I'm your father and I put everything in you and I know your potential and I will never give up on you. I created you to be in constant union with me and I will never give up on you. And the passion that he pursues us with is like, um, it's not an earthly passion. It's um, like I said, it it's it's a passion without secrets. It's mm -hmm. it's a completely honest and pure passion, knowing how screwed up and broken we are, and not caring, saying saying that's my baby. You know, he disciplines us. Yes, he disciplines us, but every bit of it is so that we will choose him. He doesn't want us to to do what the devil did and, and break their hearts. And, you know, God loved Lucifer and Lucifer chose greed and self. And God had to create the world to show us what it looks like to have a life apart from him. And that's suffering. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any greater gift than the, 
the free will that God gives us. I, I, there's no way to have that relationship, is there, without that free will and, and without us allowing to choose to be in that relationship with him or, or to go our own way? Wow, that's really profound. You know, I never thought about that. I go back and forth all the time. After salvation, what is the greatest gift God gave us? And I never even thought about free will. That's actually really, really clever. I always tell people it's time because it's the one thing we can never get back. Mm-hmm. It's it's the one thing. But, you know, it wouldn't matter if we didn't have free will. So I yeah. think you prompt me. Thank you. You taught me something. <laughs> Well, all glory to God. Amen. Um, and so, so you're going through, you, you, you've gone through both of the different lives then. You've gone through yours. Uh, you've, you've seen how your life is also through God's eyes. You've seen Jesus's life. Now, in, in what happens next uh, is, does Jesus, is, does he say, okay, you know, you've, you've seen uh, what you need to see and uh, it's time to go back. What happens next? Well, so when Jesus was on the cross and when Jesus was being beaten, I didn't want to, I didn't want to watch, but I felt like I had to because it was my fault that he was there. And I believe everybody will feel that way. Like, no, I can't close my eyes because he did this for me. And if watching carries a fraction, if I can feel a fraction of the pain for him, I want to. Because that's the least I can do. So I watched as as he worried about his mother on the cross. <laughs> he's dying and he's worried about his mom. It was so beautiful watching him watch his mother. He was so sad that she was seeing this. When Jesus finally died, it was that's when my my walk with Jesus' life ended. I didn't get I wasn't there for when he came back. Um, it was, as soon as that was over, I just was so emotionally overwhelmed. I just buried my face in his gown, in his gowns and begged him to forgive me and thanked him so much. I just, I couldn't thank him enough. There's just no words, you know, I couldn't believe I was in heaven. And I asked God, you know, Lord, I want to know about my eternal rewards that disappeared. Are they gone forever? Because I'm here forever now, right? And and they're gone. And 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 I thought it was such a good woman. And God explained, Jesus explained to me, Wendy, everything you did for me down there was wonderful. He said, but but I my father sees your heart and you weren't doing it for us. You were doing it because you wanted people to know that you weren't the girl that ate out of dumpsters. You wanted people to know that you weren't the girl who never felt loved. So my motives for all that I did deprived me of my rewards because I was still making about me. And that's very important. God wanted me to put make sure that that goes in. Um, so I just buried my face in his gowns and thanked him and he was so gentle and loving stroking my hair and then he says child see and he lifts my chin again and i see and he moves his hand over and i i see the hole in his wrists and on this beautiful pillar there's this book that opens when he moves his hands and it 
opens and it's like this book is alive the stuff that's in our garment of glory the um the glittery stuff that looks alive it's so beautiful um is coming out of this book and it opens and i look in this book and there's my husband's name and my parents name and my children's names and i realize this is the book of life and my kids and my family are in it and i'm just like so overwhelmed i just couldn't believe that i could that I made it and I was finally home and then my kids it will in heaven there's no time so it felt like they were already there but but I knew earth time goes by so fast that in the blink of an eye they would be with me so I was so ecstatic now I'm crying tears of joy because this is this is the greatest thing ever. My family is about to be here with me and we're in heaven and it's real and it's so much better than we could have ever imagined. Well, that is part one of two, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I think it's an absolutely remarkable, remarkable testimony that Wendy has, and I think you're going to enjoy part two. I wasn't going to make it two parts. I really feel like God put it on my heart to make it two parts so you could really uh, digest each half of uh, the testimony uh, week by week. I think there's a lot here to to really take in and uh, comprehend. So um, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, just real quick, I want to go over a couple of things as it relates to Wendy, and we'll go over these things in more detail next week. But her book is called You Must Go Back, My Story of Dying, Meeting Jesus, and Being Sent Back. You can find that on Amazon.com and from what I understand soon, her website. And speaking of which, her website is homesickforheaven.com, and that is the, the word homesick, the number four, heaven.com. There you can get in contact with Wendy. You can see what she's up to, uh, when she will have uh, speaking engagements, all that info right there on the website. She's also on Facebook. You can contact her there as well. It's just Wendy Thomas, a uh, uh, Christian author and speaker. Uh, same thing there. You can uh, kind of keep up to date on everything that she's doing. And she also has a really cool Instagram, uh, from what I understand, she just started, just called Pray It Forward, PR, the number eight, FWD on Instagram and there you can see some of her uh, miraculous uh, healings that she's been doing and just other uh, miracle encounters with people that have led people to understand Christ and uh, just get that relationship started through the miraculous. Uh, so a lot of ways to keep in touch with Wendy and, and, and keep in contact with what she's doing. Um, also, uh, just want to remind you to send your story in. Uh, please submit your miracle healing, your miracle, uh, your testimony, New Age Jesus testimony, your NDE if you have one, to spiritanswerspodcast at gmail.com. It doesn't have to be a full testimony. It can just be like a 10-minute uh, encounter that you had with the miraculous that furthered your faith or perhaps brought you into the kingdom. Um, I know so far we've been really highlighting the longer testimonies, but... Uh, you know, pretty soon I'm going to come out with an episode that kind of showcases some of the shorter testimonies as well. So don't don't be afraid if you have a shorter testimony as well. And uh, we would love to have those uh, or, or those encounters, whatever they are. We'd love to to share those with the world here. Also, want to remind you about our Facebook group, Spirit Answers. There you can find sneak peeks of next week's episode, interact with most of our guests, and uh, we've also been posting over the last like month or so some articles that our guests have posted. Uh, articles that relate to the supernatural and how, how it relates to the truth as it's found in the Word of God. Um, so we'd love to have you over there. And it's also a place, too, we haven't really 
uh, focused on this part yet of, of the group, but if you like, feel free to share your uh, encounters there as well or your testimonies. We'd love to, to see them over there. Um, also, always love to give people an opportunity. Maybe this is your first opportunity really thinking about this God thing or thinking about this relationship with God, the creator of the spiritual and the physical, what that means and what it means to, you know, what the meaning of life is, what happens to us when we die. And if that's you, um, I, I way back in episode one, I said, just continue to please use us as a resource as you uh, look for your answers. And I and I definitely stick by that. I, I hope that you will continue to, to do that as you look for your truth, uh, understanding truth, why we're here, what happens to us when we die. And um, I, I truly believe from the bottom of my heart that if you are really looking for answers, God will reveal himself to you in a personal way. Just keep asking him. And uh, it will happen. You just have to be patient sometimes, and it will it will definitely be worth it. I'll, as I always say, I'd love to hear those uh, uh, stories. Feel free to send them to me, and uh, that's always really really encouraging. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this one. Looking forward to seeing you in part two next week. I hope you have a fantastic week. I will be praying for you. Take care, everybody. Bye bye.